Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. The regular season draws ever closer to its finish. Chris Kennedy, uh, Kenny Scott and Alicia Newton all with you from NRL.com in the virtual studio. Thank you both for being here. Hello, CK. All is well. G'day, CK. Great to be back. Good to see both of you, as always. Um, so, as always, we'll go through the uh, eight games in reverse chronological order. March just had a win, so... Yeah, you can't even wait for me to throw to you before you start crowing, <laughs> but we'll come to you anyway. The Knights, 42 points to 18. I assume you enjoyed this one. Chance now for a home final. That was the first time I actually did it like half-time, and I was like, wow, I don't think I've been in this position where I've just watched a game and enjoy it without... <laughs> Freaking out or stressy was a bit of unfamiliar territory for Knights fans. But, yeah, uh, six spots starting to look pretty much concrete now, uh, which is a massive effort, I think, uh, considering, you know, the Knights, where they were coming from off last week's loss. Um, so, yeah, they just they just kind of looked in second gear a little bit. Um, great performance in the end and uh, just what they needed, I think. Yeah, so I did it pretty easily from right from the start. Awful, uh, particularly start to the game from the Dragons, Kenny. Yeah, like I don't mean to be cruel, but like, man, don't the dragons—they're—they're they're, like they—they're just bad. They're really bad at the moment. I think there's a clear divide in the league. Uh, you know, I think between top eight and bottom eight, the bottom eight are probably sort of just wanting the season to end, with a few exceptions. And the dragons are definitely one of those teams that just need this season to end, stop, reset, rebuild, which I find kind of surprising because I'm uh, maybe it's maybe uh, it's just a it's a cliche, but um, when a team anecdotally, when a team has a new coach announced, doesn't the team generally perform better? I don't actually know if that's evidence-based or just, you know... You're like, that's a myth. Yeah. A bit of confirmation bias, but... Yeah, exactly. So I I think I expected the Dragons to show a bit of ticker towards the end of the season now that, you know, their future coaching direction has been decided. But they were just paper thin, weren't they? Like, they were... um, Their forwards just got eaten up right through the middle. Like, uh, the Saifidi brothers scored those two pretty embarrassing tries, in my opinion. And uh, they couldn't even hold onto the ball. Like, they just kept dropping it. They were awful. Um, you know, I know it was wet and greasy and it was old boys' days and, and, and you had a sold-out or COVID-style sold-out um, Newcastle home um, home crowd. Uh, and that's pretty hard. That, that, that sometimes can get on top of you. But, man, they, they showed no ticker. It was a, it was a poor performance. Yeah, it was um, pretty disappointing from um, start to finish. Um, Dragons, I thought uh, Zach Lomax had a proper dig. Um, he was sort of doing what he could, but, you know, centre moving into the, um, you know, 5-8 throw later in the game, got through a lot of uh, tackling and scored a couple of tries. Cody Ramsey, second game in, um, you know, tried hard, but, you know, couldn't do heaps about it. Uh, you know, Dufty tried to provide some spark. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't a lot doing for the Dragons. But, yeah, for Newcastle, um, home final all but assured now. If they beat the Titans, they're in. If they beat the Titans – sorry, if they lose to the Titans, they would still need uh, Souths to upset the Roosters to have any chance of dropping out of that um, – seven spots so great signs there for Newcastle we'll move on to the Raiders and the Warriors um the early game we sort of talked about it um you know when the the Warriors lost to the Sharks last week it took a a lot of the sting out of that back end of the season and that jostle for the spots in the bottom part of the eight um I I thought they tried you know they they put in a good effort considering that you know the season had got away from them they all probably had had an eye towards going home Kenny what did you make of this one I reckon the Warriors had this game and then all of a sudden, 
it just got it got really weird and 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 sloppy like all over the place from the field up to the coach's box all the like discipline just sort of went out the window like they were leaving what 14-6 at one point over the Raiders and I thought the war like I just thought they seemed to be in on this and then the war the Raiders got some pretty um one one intercept try and then uh, a great team try that in my opinion I don't really think should have been a try because I reckon there was a couple of instances incidents in the between like the second and third kick that happened uh, where it looked like uh, defenders were taken off the ball by or by accident but still taken off the ball um, but still I mean it was a great looking try and then from that point on um, the Raiders sort of just went ran away with it um, again through kind of lucky lucky incidents like again another try came off a um, broken play that was uh, created from an intercept um, and then you know it was like a penalty a phone and it was um, it just got really really sloppy from there but they were had it not been for um, the intercept tried to sort of break their hold of the game. I think it could have gone differently, but uh, yeah, like, you know, it's a, a fitting sort of way. Uh, like, again, it was a game of, of, of little consequence. So um, I guess you couldn't really expect it to be particularly high quality. Some real brain snaps in this one. That intercept try you're talking about came from a wild Jazz Tavanga offload. Um, but it came when they were attacking the Raiders line, a 12-man line with Jack White and uh, Sinbind as the sort of the culmination of a, a series of penalties uh, against them. Um, but that itself came off the back of a 20-minute period where the Raiders just completely sort of lost their minds. Alicia, you know, Josh Papali head-slamming Torhu by the hair and all sorts of silly penalties being given away. That They were able to sort of um, get set after that, but it was very uncanberry like for a while there. I think Ricky Stewart described it as frustrating after the game, rightfully so. Um, it probably wasn't, yeah, as you say, a, a disciplined performance in that first 30. And, and it's pretty rare in these days that we see that that one man down, yet two tries are scored. You know, they were creating overlaps um, after after one went off. So, but yeah, as Kenny said, um, that semi-Valamide uh, first try really, I guess, turned things around for Canberra. And uh, like Elliot Whitehead, too, what a... An underrated player in yeah, attack, like to, just to, even the ballsy move to sort of, you know, put that grubber in on the last and and you know have ricochet and score that that try through Hudson Young. So yeah, there was a little bit riding on that game because it keeps them sort of a chance of still making the top four. I think Eels would have to lose to the Tigers and then Raiders would have to beat Cronulla next week. So neither of those is that out of the question, though. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, so come on. So the worst, um, what, the worst that they can fall now is fifth, which is still not a bad result. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Elliot Whitehead. I said in a, a group chat to someone um, when he sort of moved into the halves for George Williams, I, I guarantee you Elliot Whitehead is the sort of player who is just constantly at training, telling everyone that he should be the halfback in the team. And then right after that, Hannah Hollis said on the coverage that she spoke to someone and Elliot Whitehead had been talking up all week how good his kicking game was and he should do more kicking in the games. I mean, it's just it's exactly on brand. Well, yeah, at least he could back it up, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, do you reckon uh, Ricky Stewart's going to have to um, have something to answer for for throwing the bottle out the window? I, I didn't really... Did it hit anyone or what's the... No, it didn't hit anyone. It was just sort of like a frustrated... I think maybe he thought the window was closed. Well, yeah. I don't think he specifically hang out, like hung out the window and pegged it at somebody. But um, I remember one of the Burgess twins got in real trouble for sort of flicking a, a, an empty Mount Franklin bottle um, towards another team's bench a couple of years ago. Um, it's definitely yeah. not in the same sort of category, but still, it's it's, it's ill discipline from the coach's box. Well, we had a couple, didn't we? We, we oh. Craig Bellamy. Everyone <laughs> will get into it later, but we will get into that a bit later. <laughs> 
Um, before we get into that one, we'll talk about the third Saturday night game, the Roosters 34-18 winners over the Sharks. It kind of felt like a bigger scoreline even than that, Kenny, but um, yeah, plenty of um, good signs for the Roosters given the, the players that they had rested. Um, yeah, well, 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 another game that has plenty of good signs for the Roosters, hooray. Like, the Roosters are <laughs> unstoppable, and they, I know I harp on about it, but and it's because they're a great team. They're easily head and shoulders the best team in the league. No one comes close. They are amazing, and I'm incredibly jealous, and I, their sustained period of success is not fair, purely because I'm jealous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a fitting, what, 303rd game for, for Mitch Orbison, yeah. record breaker, scores... One try, two, I think two tries. Two tries, yeah. Um, yeah, like a, a fitting a fitting way for, like a team like the Roosters will make sure that a milestone game for a like a key journeyman player has that kind of result. And there are a lot of other teams that have similar, I think Orbison is sort of like a, um, you know, he's not amazing. He's never, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's, he's reliable, he's a team player, he's, he's everything the team needs him to be. And I sort of like, he's kind of like a Chris Lawrence. The Tigers could I think would be Chris Lawrence. And the way that the Tigers saw Chris Lawrence in his 250th is actually a complete opposite. Um, just shows how amazing and solid and reliable a team um, like the Roosters are. Um, regarding Cronulla, um, one thing I think we haven't mentioned is it's also women in league round, which we probably should have mentioned right off the top. But of course. The Cronulla women in league round jersey, I think, is amazing. Don't, didn't you love it? It looks well, so I did. good. Yeah, kudos. I think that's, that's one of the greatest Cronulla jersey designs I've seen, so hopefully they keep it up. Um, I, I thought I felt a bit sorry for Orbo after the game because we saw him do the presentation and then he his family was you know meter and a half apart. His little girl wanted to go over and hug him and he's just mm. waving her off. And I guess that's the time we live in at the moment. But um, he would have been so uncomfortable about that whole night as much as the record was great and all. We know how how much he's very professional and just doesn't want to make it all about him. But it was nice to see him cross for that first try. Pretty fitting. Um, and yeah, I guess the performance for Roosters, they just shot out of the blocks and then second half are probably been in cruise mode, but they never look like a Sharks comeback was on the cards. Um, they're just doing enough at this point. And um, yeah, South Sydney next week, which you can sort of see it going a similar, similar way. Yeah. And um, yeah, Sonny Bill Williams, we've, we've spoken about the last couple of weeks was a you know, very short, very scattered stint in his first hit out a couple of weeks ago, a lot more um, composed and a lot more dangerous in a bigger spell last week and then basically played 50 minutes unchanged at, in the front row when he came on in this game, made some big tackles, was offloading pretty much at will, um, some really strong carries. He's He's gone from what is he doing here to a serious, you know, someone you would actually pick um, – on the bench, if not starting in almost any club in the space of a fortnight, which I guess just goes to, you know, the sort of athlete and the sort of professional he is. Uh, for the Sharks, um, horror scenes with Sean Johnson. I hate seeing players, you know, dropping like that with, with no one near them. Um, initial sort of feeling was that he must have done a, an ACL, was briefly relieved when it looked like ankle and thought it might have been just a, a syndesmosis. He might have rolled his ankle, but then reports emerged that it was actually a snapped Achilles tendon, which is not you know, too far behind an ACL in terms of severity, probably five months plus, maybe seven or eight months on the sidelines. So um, probably won't play the start of next season, which is um, shocking, not just for the Sharks, you know, slim finals, 
hopes this year, but um, obviously for next year as well, and for Sean Johnson, who's one of the real excitement players of our game. Lost Royce Hunt as well to a patella tendon injury, so he'll be out for the, the rest of the season. So they're probably running on fumes uh, heading into the finals. They do get um, Wade Graham back this week, and I think Chad Townsend back um, the week after. Yeah, rotten luck, and he's been their best, you know, best player probably all the year, most consistent, most tries. I think out of any other player in the competition. So massive blow, and as you mentioned, the date of it happening just doesn't help leading into next season. You know, it's similar to when Wade Graham did his ACL in the finals a couple of years ago, and it rolled through to June the following year. So um, yeah, not good for Sean. And is it fair to say it's probably his most serious injury of his career as well? Can't really think of. Uh, apart from maybe an ankle injury that he had or... Yeah, he's had some short-term ones. I remember him being troubled by hammies and quads and, and doing his ankle, but nothing, you know, that, that's kept him out for yeah. sort of six-plus months, yeah. Yeah, so massive blow. But um, if, if Sharks have got anyone, they've got some halves. So they shouldn't be too light on leading into the, the finals with Connor Tracy there and, and Townsend coming back, as you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. Um, the earlier Saturday game, plenty going on in this one. Kenny, I'll start with you. 50 points to 22. Um, Tigers actually scored the first two tries of the second half. Thought another one of those potential miracle comebacks was on, but obviously it's a, um, a tall order against a, a team like the Storm. I've, I've told this anecdote before, but back in the mid-90s when the Balmain Tigers were losing all the time, I'd say, Dad, the Tigers got beaten 40 points to 20 again. And he said, Son, all that means is that both teams played poorly. So looking at this scoreline, 50 to 22, I'd say that still rings true. Both, both sides did, did play poorly. Um, there was no shortage of skill in attack on both sides. There were some great, great tries out on, left, like, on, on, on both sides of the park. Great defence was severely lacking um, on the Tigers' side especially. I, I guess that's where it showed. They let in some real uh, just basic tries like... Um, from uh, like I don't want to call them lucky bounces to Melbourne, but just Melbourne, Melbourne just long range tries like you know like it was um, like it was nothing for them, um, and that really that's really um, where the game was lost, I suppose. Like the Tigers, just something has gone wrong with their defence. I think ever since that um, that Parramatta game in round eleven, I think it was where they fought and fought and fought and fought, really admirably, still lost, but it was a it was an admirable loss. The defence has just not been the same since. And I think, I don't know if that game just took it out of them or if they sort of, after putting up such a big effort and not getting the results, they no, nah, whatever, chucked out the window. That Their defence just really didn't aim up. And I know it's Melbourne. Melbourne's, you know, one of the top teams in the competition. It's really hard to be a great defensive unit against Melbourne. But, man, they just got carved up. It's a real shame. Um, I just hope that, you know, they've got one game left. This is going to be Benji Marshall's last game at the club. This is going to be Chris Lawrence's last game forever. Um, and it's against Parramatta, which is a team a team that the Tigers traditionally just can't beat for some reason. Um, I just hope it's a, a hope. I hope those two legends get sent out of the game um, in better circumstances. Certainly, one of the moments that's seen the most airtime since Alicia is um, Cameron Smith with the scrappiest try in history uh, to go past his coach in terms of um, total career tries. A little bit of byplay between the two afterwards. How good! I mean, I know those two have copped it throughout their careers, both coaching and playing. But I think the relationship that they have, like even for them to be able to just, you know, do that, take the mickey out of each other, um, says a lot about how tight they they definitely are. And um, you know, I loved Craig's comments after the game about how it's taken Cam, you know, three times the amount of games uh, compared to yeah. what he when he played, and obviously quite different situations. But um. No, it's good. It's 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 good. We rarely see it. And as I said before with Ricky, like just 
I'd love to have a camera on the coaches for the whole game. I just love to mm. see their reactions and um, yeah. And I don't know. Is that does is Cam going to be happy with that now? Is he's past Craig's? That's the only reason he's played so long. (laughs) Plus, plus Craig in the tries. Um, I did enjoy Craig saying he didn't realise that the cameras would pick it up. I'm like, mate, you realise that you're a bit of a focal point when the uh, the games are on. Um, But yeah, honest. That um, that 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 footage of uh, Bellamy, you know, flipping the bird, um, is going to be used as a like comeback or argument ending meme for all rugby league arguments on the internet from now until the end of time. Mm. Instant meme. I've never seen anything so instantly guarantee itself that it was going to be a meme for all time than Craig Bellamy flipping the bird from the coach's box. Um, Saturday footy kicked off with the Titans up against the Seagulls. Um, a little gloat here. I did tip the Titans. Um, probably, I think, yeah, would have got a perfect round if it weren't for the uh, the Rabbitohs on uh, Thursday night. But yeah, not really an upset, I don't think. Uh, Titans now four wins in a row. Um, Alicia Manley just thought like they're ready for the season to be over and poor uh, Tommy Turbo back from injury and, and picks up a fresh one as well. Yeah, not good, but I think the scans have just come out that it's not actually too bad. He might miss up to a month, which lets him yeah. be available for Origin, which is not the worst news going around if you're a New South Wales fan. But yeah, as for Manley, they just they want this season done, don't they? And um, really, I'm quite shocked with how they've performed, particularly at home. Um, with their backs against the wall, you know, I'm expecting, I was expecting more from their senior guys. Um, I know they've had their injuries, but yeah, some of the efforts of, of some key men, even without Tommy, has just been like not manly like that we've seen for a couple of years, um, especially not over the last, you know, decade. So um, yeah, but the Titans just keep rolling on, don't they? They're just, we see it sometimes with teams. I think Canterbury were quite good towards the back end of last year. Just one team just gets on a roll on, but it's just a little bit too late for them. And um, any, I don't know if you'd be happy that they're in ninth spot. They've overtaken the Tigers there for you. But um, I just think AJ Brimson too. He's made a massive difference um, since he's come back from that back fracture. Like their attack has just changed, and it's probably coincided with his return. So these they look good for next year. Like, and I know I give them a great chance to beat the Knights next week at home because. The Knights traditionally don't do too well up on the Gold Coast and Titans have got their tails up. So, yeah, it's exciting times for them, thinking about who they've got coming. Right now, it's, what, round 19 and the season ends in one week. Do you reckon if this was a normal season, like they still had six more weeks to get to the finals, that the Titans would be, like they'd be peaking at the perfect time and they would be on a roll and they would go right into the, um, you know, sixth or seventh, maybe, maybe try and crack a top four. Um, or do you think it's just, you know, everybody, like it's been a tough season for everybody. It's been 18, 18 weeks without a break. Um, injuries have, have been tough. You've got to live in this bubble quarantine environment. It's just different and it's just a real slog. And do you think maybe, you know, the Titans are just coming up against teams that are just limping over the finish line? I think Justin Holbrook, know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think Justin Holbrook's found his team, if that makes sense. Like he's... Mm obviously sifted through a lot of plays and made a lot of changes at the start of the year, sort of rode off the year in that regard because he just kept chopping and changing, whereas now he's finally settled. They'd love another month. There's no doubt about that. They could easily be pushing for that eighth spot. But, um, yeah, as we know, it's not going to happen and vice versa. You know, Cronulla don't want another month because, you know, who knows with them. So hindsight's great. But, um, you know, we are what it, we, where we are and it is what it is. 
Yeah, you're right about Titans, though, and their prospects. You know, Brimson, like you said, has made a massive difference. Maaki Fodawake has been immense this year. I think Tyrant Peachy looks quite rejuvenated back starting at lock and just, you know, get let loose to, to play a bit of footy in the middle. Um, you know, Kevin Proctor, I, I know, had an unfortunate suspension recently, but looks like he's got a bit of a new lease on life. Um, you know, most of their, their middles are going pretty well, The you know, Backs are not sort of heralded or big names by any stretch other than Brimson, but they're all doing their, their job as well. Ash Taylor's playing with a bit more happiness and confidence and obviously Jamal Fogarty, what he's um, done since getting a chance this year has been immense. So um, throw in Herman SASA, David Fafita, Tino Faso, Malawi next year and that, that pack's looking absolutely formidable. So um, good signs there for the Titans. Uh, moving on to Friday night footy, um, I was actually out at this one, not working, uh, just in the stands. Um, didn't hit any great heights. Eels, I guess, fairly in control for most of it without ever being convincing, Kenny. Yeah, again, like, I don't know what it is about Parramatta, but they're not, like, 10 weeks ago, it looked like Parramatta were on, they were destined for greatness, and they're still, they're still doing the right things, but they just don't seem to be doing it in the right way. They like they would. They never really looked like they were going to lose this match, but they didn't look like a cold clinical unit that you know was just going to take apart a really weakened Broncos team. Um, yeah, I mean they had some they had some good moments, um, and yeah, like I said, they, it never looked like they were going to lose. But um, it just it wasn't comprehensive by any means. I know there was, it was probably quite slippery out there as well. I think it was, it was quite wet. Um, but like they'll they'll take the two points. I think there was also a lot of pressure on Parramatta for this game because I think. There was a lot of neutrals. I actually never seen an event where a whole bunch of outside of a grand final, where a whole bunch of neutral fans had jumped on and willed a team to win. The the way I saw the volume of fans get behind Parramatta to try and so that Broncos could get closer to the wooden spoon. There's a lot of really bitter people out there. um, So Parramatta delivered on that front. Um, But yeah, they just didn't seem, they won. They didn't ever really look in trouble, but I just don't think they looked, uh, they didn't look clinical. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Uh, like, what sort of form do you want leading into the finals? They obviously, you know, couldn't score a point the week before and there was a lot made about them in the past month. Did they peak too early at the start of the year? But I guess if you can find a win anywhere and you can just build a little, get a little bit of confidence, like we've seen real tough wins turn into, you know, they could blow the Tigers apart next week. Sorry, Kenny. But, you know, it's just something that you just need something to click. For me, the Eels are missing Dylan Brown. Um, still, Jay Field's done a great job and he could, you know, find himself on the bench, possibly down the track. But um, I just think they're just looking for that killer blow. They can't really find it. If once they hit the lead, they've just got to, you know, just grab it and and, and just go for the throat. So um, but it's hard because the Broncos, I don't think, like they're, they're, they're bad, but they have been improved over the last sort of couple of weeks. So um, it's a bit of a hard... Hard gauge, but I think leading into the Tigers game, you know, they always get up for a Tigers game, so mm. it could really kickstart them onto onto uh, into week one of the finals. Hard to put your finger on what's gone wrong, but I remember the you know the winning run they had when they were sort of leading the ladder for a while. They just looked so fast, just so furiously, aggressively fast, and their their middles, you know, Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell, Gillard, and you know Ryan Madison and Lane on the edges, and Nathan Brown through the middle. They were just rolling over the top of teams, and it's really kind of um, eased off. I know I've noticed Brad Arthur sort of managing the the minutes of a few of them a bit more. Um, Campbell Gillard's minutes have, have dropped recently. Uh, Reed Marnie, other than 
obviously missing the previous week with a shoulder injury, sort of getting a rest in games now, which I think is going to serve them well um, in the finals if they um, if they can hang around for a, a few weeks. But certainly don't look as dangerous as they did earlier in the year. Clint Gutherson um, was probably the, the difference. He was fantastic at the back. Um, sitting in the stands there, we were absolutely just perplexed and confused by a, a no-try call against Blake Ferguson. We didn't have commentary at the ground. We saw a, a regulation tip on Ferguson cross. You know, everyone sort of, all the fans went up for the try and then it was called back and um, everyone in the fans was just baffled. And then we saw... Parramatta challenged it and the replay came up on the big screen that it was all a, all a go and then it came back down and um, you know Eels had the ball and the challenge seemed to be successful and it was still no try and I had to go home and watch the replay with the commentary to work out what on earth had gone on turned out to be a, a mutual infringement but that was a, a bit of a, a head scratcher. Well yes too especially throughout the ground because we see that a fair bit you know the grand finals we couldn't really hear it either what was happening unless you had sports ears but we obviously see when a team wants to challenge, we can hear the audio come over the speaker unless that might be something down the track that, that the game can look into is any time the ref does talk to the player, then can, can we get that over? Obviously then though, you might hear a bit of swearing in between and mm. and what what the player really thinks. He usually likes to tell the ref. So um, yeah, it'd be an interesting one, but yeah, I can see how you were confused. I think we all were, but Henry sort of put his hand up and, um, you know, admitted he was wrong. We've seen that over the past couple of weeks. The, the referees have, have said it, just said, I've got it wrong, this changing our minds, blah, blah, blah. The, so. the, the best part about that whole incident was after, like, Perinara goes, yep, yeah, it, was, it was my mistake, Doug Hall, um, and it's going to be... Uh, so then Gutho's like, so it's a try. He's like, no, I blew my whistle, so it's going to be tackle two over here. And Gutho's like, nah, six again at least. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's trying to bargain the call. That's not how it works. I loved it, I loved it. But the, the best thing about it was that it was taken in really good spirits by everyone. Like, there was no... Like, the players got it. Like, this is why, you know... Like, the, the ref owned up to it and said, yeah, they made a bad, bad call. And the players didn't blow up at, you know, Parramatta... It could have been seen by Parramatta as they're being robbed of a try, but they didn't see it that way. That it's like, all right, these things happen. Everybody rolled on with it. So I thought it was a good, um, yeah. It was like I watched it on TV. It was pretty, pretty hilarious watching it all unfold because no one was quite sure what was going on. But then the way it was resolved, I thought was uh, well done to everybody. Yeah, you're right. I 100% agree. It's glad that, you know, we do see referees make mistakes and they've always made mistakes. They always will. You can't ever get that out of the game. They're going to make a couple of, you know, every every sort of match they're in charge. So to see him just put his hand up and go, yep, got that one wrong. This is, you know, what's happening and we're playing on. But just speaking of um, players and referees talking to each other, one of my favourite moments of this round, if not this year, happened uh, when Jack White and was Sinbin's um, this afternoon in that the Warriors game uh, was caught offside, the victim of repeated infringements against his team. The, um, I think it was Elliot Whitehead argued that they wanted to uh, challenge the offside ruling. So Whiten, who'd already been sin bin, walked back over the refs to ask about a challenge. The ref just goes, no, Jack, you're in the bin, mate. <laughs> so politely pointed out that he, he couldn't challenge because he'd already been sin bin. It was absolutely perfectly done. Um, last talking point out of this game, Junior Paulo, um, on report and charged for a hip drop tackle on David Fafita. Fafita's done his ankle, will be out for a while. Alicia, thoughts on all that? Yeah, we've seen the, that. I love these nicknames, by the way, that, that pop up too. I wonder who yeah. comes up with them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think Brad Arthur came out and, and, and said what he said about the, the whole situation. Um, unfortunate for, for David, it seems like he will be in doubt for Origin, um, the Origin series. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things that they're sort of cracking down on, but then we don't 
we see other sort of incidents go astray. So they obviously they've they've identified it and, and want to stamp it out. Um, but I think what do you, what do you end up getting? I think um, seventy five well, points. Or? Yeah, so he's free to play with an early plea, but he misses a game if they challenge it and lose. So uh, I don't think a plea has been entered yet from Parramatta. So you can sort of see why they would feel like they had a case, but you can also see why they would choose not to risk it. Although if they do take the early plea, he then goes into the finals with seventy five carryovers, and any further grade one is is going to be a week. So might might as be worth uh, taking the chance now. Worst case, he, he misses the Tigers game. Yeah, I think Kikau's in the same situation with his high shot. You don't want carryover points going into finals. Um, I think they've changed. They might have even changed that rule leading into finals. I have to double check that. But um, yeah, you definitely want, don't want carryover points. You know, leading into finals that you're going to miss out on something down the track. Mm. Um, speaking of Kikau, he was absolutely immense for the Panthers in the early Friday game. Thirty-two points to twelve, fairly untroubled against uh, the Cowboys. Kenny, they uh, they rested a couple, but um, yeah, never really in doubt. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it, you know, the, the whole season resumption, basically. Penrith, fit, fast, happy, enthusiastic, energetic, and it was all, all of this in that game. It's a standard Panthers performance. I, I thought yeah, they should be really um, pretty happy with it. One thing I want to highlight, Jerome Luai, like, he's, he's been into some great form, but the steps he was putting on in this game, it was like, I don't know, it was, it was like he was... Um, um, it's like he was 10 kilos lighter or something. He just managed to like spring around the field, um, like from a standing start. It was it was quite amazing. So I think um, the, obviously the combination that he's uh, he's developed with with Cleary, which goes all, all the way back to their junior days, is really really paying off now. But he's just really come into some fine form. He's he's really fun to watch. Um, and, but yeah, like the Panthers, we we didn't think the Cowboys were ever going to really trouble the Panthers on this one. They're another team that's really just you know waiting for the season to end. It's been a tough year for them as it has been for others. Um, but yeah, Panthers clinched that uh, that minor premiership, and congratulations to them. Well, the Cowboys would have offered a bit more, you know, Gavin Cooper's final home game, Jason Tomoyle returning. I thought they would have at least got off to a strong start. We've seen it over the past couple of months when they've played at home. They've been a completely different team, but yeah, they were no match literally from like the second or third minute. It was like one-way traffic early and we've seen that Penrith have jumped out of the blocks. You know, they would have known it was coming and just had no answers. I like Josh Hannay after the game. Obviously, we don't know whether he can stay or go at the Cowboys um, as an assistant, but, you know, he said they can definitely take a leaf out of Penrith's books in the way that they've developed players in the future and, and holding on to some players have obviously lost, you know, Kickout in particular who just ran riot on that left edge. So... Um, it's a bit of a blueprint if they want to go down that avenue. And Ivan Cleary said after the game, you know, if they do, they'd, they'd have to stay a bit patient um, because a lot of these Penrith boys have been at that club, you know, in the junior systems for a while. So, um, but yeah, it's a great achievement for a minor premiership and uh, to wrap it up, you know, in, in that sort of fashion. And uh, I think Cleary will, will rest a few players next week because, you know, they obviously can't drop any lower than what they are, are now. So um, the big question is, can they... Can they keep it up? You know, different comp. Um, yeah. Can we do it? Interesting one. Like you say, their, their third minor premiership, the last two times they were able to achieve that, they went on to uh, to win the grand final, 91 and 03, I think, from memory. But, um, yeah, it gives them the, the luxury of resting wherever they want next week, knowing that they, they can't uh, be overtaken. Although you also don't, I guess, want too much disruption on the um, on the eve of the finals. I'm just uh, I query whether they've had enough of a test heading into the finals. Uh, very few of their players have had a rest. I know um, Coruscant and I think Tamo were, were sitting out of this one, but um, you know Luai and, and Cleary and 
you know, Isaiah Yo, I think, had one week off with a head knock, but him and, and Fisher Harris, a lot of their sort of important players, you know, Stephen Crichton's a young fella. He's been playing fantastic footy, but, you know, it's his first season. He's been up for a, a long time. Um, you know, there's a lot of players there who have been going at the same level for a long time and the team hasn't really had to scrap too hard in too many games. So I'm wondering, you know, if that prepares them well for for the blowtorch to be applied by the likes of the, the Storm and the Roosters in week two, three, four of the, the finals. But um, certainly one to watch out for. It takes us through to Thursday night footy and one of the upsets of the year. Um, Kenny, did you give the Bulldogs any chance? What do you think about this one? I was, I mean, of course not. No one would have given the Bulldogs any chance here. I, I came into this game going like, oh, like how, you know, it's Thursday night. Of course I'm going to watch the footy, but oh, geez, this is going to be a real bludger of a game, isn't it? And man, how wrong was I? This game had everything. It was so much fun. I was so glad I didn't cop I didn't, you know, I didn't sneak off and, and watch the, the, the Thursday night movie or whatever. Um, it was, yeah, like, go to those Bulldogs, hey? I wonder if, uh, like... They've just got, like I said, they, like, like we've said um, time and time again, they never, ever give up. And they just seem to be, you know, it's all about little steps, little steps towards improvement. And this was just a massive, a massive win for them on so many fronts. Like it was like literally a big, a, gr- a great win, but also a great win because there's no, t- like there's, there's really only one team that deserves to have the wooden spoon this year. And it's definitely not the Bulldogs. And so for them to get themselves in a position where it's not guaranteed for them, by putting on such a great win against a pretty decent side, I thought was a massive effort. Like there was a couple of interesting talking points to come out of it, but I just think, like, congratulations to the Bulldogs. They des- they deserve a win like this. They've had it coming for a while. They've been kicked around all season. Um, and you know, if this helps, if this if this win gets them away from the wooden spoon, then you know how powerful. I think it's great stuff. And I just thought well deserved for Josh Jackson. You know, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough couple of years, and he's been at the forefront of it as captain. And um. To see him get the win, he played out of his skin too. It was a bit, you know, from, yeah. from the days where he was making origin. From him. Two tries, yeah, yeah. He saved two couple of tries and just his running, even that ball for Ockenbord, you know, to bust down the sideline off the kickoff. Like that's confidence. Like where did that come from? So, yeah, great, great win by the Bulldogs, and uh, they're sort of building. They're in and out of games still, but I, I still had a feeling that Souths were coming back. You know, when they score a couple of tries, mm-hmm. obviously that Jackson Paulo one was a little bit contentious, but um. Yeah, it was a. It was good that I guess the Bulldogs held their nerve, and Brennan Wakem came on after Lockie Lewis got got injured there, and um, you know I thought he he was a bit patchy at first, but really stood up with a couple of nice kicks at the end to uh, to get him further in front. I talked to um, I talked to Jake Haverillo in the sheds afterwards. Um, it was the first time that I'd um, ever met him, but I thought he was really impressive. He's played. Um, you know, he's been shuffled around between wing and, and centre and bench, uh, probably mostly centre and then sort of not even in the team every week. But I thought he's been a real bright spot for the Dogs this year. He played most of his juniors um, in the halves and he was saying to me that he, he sees that as his best spot at 5'8". Um, obviously, Kieran Foran won't be there next year. They've signed Blake Green, but he won't be fit um, for round one due to that knee um, reconstruction, his ACL injury. So it's basically between Avarillo, Lachlan Lewis and Brandon Wakem, you'd think, for those half spots to start next year. So Avarillo, a real chance to, to push for that sixth spot, Alicia. Yeah, I've had a chat to him before as well, and he said the same thing, like uh, his preference to play in the halves. And he just got a bit of skill. Like he, you can just tell he's just got something about him. You know, obviously, he's got the speed and whether he can control the game is, is another story in, in a full 80. But um, I think having someone experienced alongside him will definitely definitely help. Um, you know, or Lockie Lewis, you know, if those two kick on as as a combination, 
um, that might also work. But um, plenty of plenty for Trent Barrett to work with next year for sure. What did you make of the um, the Jaden Sewer scene? Because it turned out to be a critical point in the game. The dogs obviously got a bit of a roll, and after he went off, I was sitting in the the media box watching, and live it looked like he he sort of went in low and just drove forward. There was no shoulder charge. His arms were wrapped and. <clears throat> just like Lewis got rocked by a big shot and then he, I saw him stumble when he got up and the ref sent him to the bin and I was briefly outraged. I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, game's gone soft. And I saw the replay and actually, yes, Lewis slipped, but there was pretty, you know, solid contact to the head and, and Lewis was concussed and played no further part in the game. I sort of came around to thinking it was probably fair enough. It was pretty, like, again, when we first watched it in the replay, it didn't seem that way, but it was a pretty quick decision from the match officials. So they obviously had the angles available and, once they saw contact with the head, you know, with the shoulder, then that, that was it. And obviously the way that Lachlan's head obviously hit the turf um, mm. very hard as well, which no doubt played a bit of a part in him coming off. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things we've seen players get binned for, for similar and, and for, you know, not as, not as bad this year. So that's a bit of a precedent um, in itself. But I was okay with it after I saw it mm. multiple replays. But at first, yeah, I was a bit like, oh, wow. Um, that's just happened because it did look like a good hit, you know, at first. And the um, the charge sheet came out on Friday morning and um, it turned out he was facing a minimum one week off. And South, the, the first I heard of it was was when I heard that South had already taken the early plea. It's the earliest early plea I've ever seen Friday morning for a player to already accept a suspension. So they obviously weren't too um, dissatisfied with the, uh, the charge sheet. Um, but yeah, it makes the... the the race for the wooden spoon, interesting, Kenny. A lot of pressure on Broncos and Titans. Uh, sorry, Broncos and Cowboys next week. Yeah, I mean, who, who'd have thought the, the, the potential, um, like anybody other than the Bulldogs could potentially be copying the wooden spoon would, is, would have seemed like madness a couple of weeks ago. But um, yeah, I like I, I guess you don't ever wish the wooden spoon upon anybody, but I just don't, I just don't think there's any other team that deserves to have the wooden spoon this year other than the Broncos because they've just... You know, I'm sure they're all nice people and they've been trying hard, but they've had just an absolute shocker of a season. So I, uh, yeah, it's I, I shouldn't be saying it, but they're the team most deserving. So, um, mm. you know, anybody. Fair and, enough. And, yeah. 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 Um, the other person we uh, we talked to, and uh, that, that was Josh Jackson, who uh, celebrated his uh, his 200th game. It's uh, just really good to to see a warrior like him rewarded with a, a great team performance on his um, his milestone game. He was um, pretty relieved, man. Uh, afterwards, it's always all we, we've got time for um, on the Sunday session for round 19. Thank you both for joining us, and thank you to everyone for listening. Kenny, you're going to uh, talk us out. CK, before we go, I just want to mention that Sportsbet have a promotion at the moment around their Hotham backing the Battler race coming up in October. The premise of this race is that each entrant is a horse that's never taken first place. And this year, they're taking the backing the Battler team even further by giving sporting clubs the chance to be paired up with one of the runners and take home some prize money. This promotion is open to all clubs of all sports right across Australia, and it's a great chance for struggling community sporting clubs to put a bit of polish on 2020 Buff out those scuff marks that we're all carrying. It has been a tough year after all. Um, anyway, for more info, simply go to the Sportsbet blog at sportsbet.com.au slash blog. 